max depth. I would just like for everyone to think about the horrible things we've done. Period. Maybe dot, dot, dot. I want to tell you guys about a camp. I want to tell you guys about something that the... I want to tell you guys about a group that Japan had set up. It's called Unit 731 uh, in uh, roughly World War II time. And, uh, yeah, I think it was composed of about one to 2,000 members who, over their, what, say, decade-long, decade-long experimentation, as you will learn, is what it was, committed some of the most atrocious acts ever, ever imagined. I mean, it's beyond what, it's beyond what you could imagine. I mean, you could imagine it, obviously, but... They are creatively evil. They are beyond sadistic with no purpose. They are, they are heinous. Heinous. And I'd like to share some of them to you, with you today. So there's one, uh, they put people almost like if you're lying on a starfish and if you know what a, what a, uh, a centrifuge is, it spins around basically. So they got you in a starfish position on this thing that spins you, and it spins you to death. Or they'll put you in a uh, a low-pressure tank, a lower-pressure tank. I don't know what it does. All I know is the effect that it has. It pops your fucking eye sockets out. Um, human experimentation, um, they would cut off uh, their right arm at the uh, at the shoulder and then stitch it to the other side of their body. They would inject a person with type A blood with blood from a person with type O blood, um, which is just awful, just beyond the the effects of these things are just awful to people. And they would uh, poison them with cyanide gas, all types of different gas. Um, I mean, these are just all the things off the top of my head. Like, it's crazy. It's really fucking crazy. And all of that is to say, I mean, there's a lot more. I think they, it was estimated that they had killed through human experimentation 300 to 400,000 people in, in the short time that they were around. I mean, they're just, it's just fucking insane, the things. Read their Wikipedia page for, oh, for just the most heinous things you've ever read. And then acknowledge... And acknowledge honestly that you're really not all that different from those people. Do you know why they did that? No, not because they liked it. Because they had the capacity to. That's why anyone does anything. Because they have the ability to. And those people just like you had the ability to do those things. So don't think you're so much more high and noble than they are. If you were put in the same position as them and all your other people around you were doing the same thing. You would have done the same thing, and so would I, but at least I know it. Everyone else tries to pretend like, oh, no, they wouldn't have ever been a guard during the Holocaust. They wouldn't have participated in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see how you come to any conclusion where that's the truth. You're lying to yourself, which is the most dangerous thing. 
and you're deluding yourself and you think you're you're not capable of the things that everyone uh, that these are just people these are just people put into situations that basically allow them no other option that's i mean that's the only that's what they say in philosophy i learned is the only real case forget who said it someone some more recent philosopher so the only time you ever show your true will i mean free will if you do have it is if there's an easy choice and a hard choice and i think you make the hard choice is only in that time that you ever even exhibit free will because it, it takes willpower to do the, the the harder thing so i'm just saying like i'm not trying to preach or anything i'm just saying <laughs> Just because you live in a gated, gated little garden, that's, that's the reason why you don't think you're capable of these things, or why you don't think you, why you think you're so much better than them, these people, or why you, why you blame other people and say, I would never do that. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. That's my point. This is what Jung would call reconciling the shadow. His shadow is the, I mean, both conscious and unconscious desires, fantasies, but also, and maybe in this case, uh, things that you would do because you have to do them. You ever watch Yellow Jackets? Great new show. Loving it. I'm actually completely addicted to episode comes out tonight. They did things because they had to. And that's why all people do all things. We do them because we either have to or because we think we have to. And there is no other pathway. How do, what does that say about free will? Either we have to, or we think we have to. It's like, for me, I would have never not gone to college because I was, I have enough money to, I, all my friends are, my parents want me to, and really, do, did I really, do I really think that's the best move? Or do I think that that's just the thing that is the next logical step? I don't know. For me, it's probably the next best move. But, I mean, maybe if I'm in a slightly different position, then it's not. I don't know what that says about free will. Honestly, I don't know how big of a deal free will is. Because you are forced by law to assume moral responsibility. So, that's really the only reason why we even discuss Free will at all is on cases when you're seeing if a person should be held morally responsible, someone, and we act like we should be held morally responsible, thus we are morally responsible, thus we do have free will. The point's muted, we need no more no more discussion of of free will. We have to act like we have free will, or else our society doesn't benefit from it. Let's we could say that. They certainly don't benefit from us acting like we don't have free will. And maybe, maybe we don't, but it's a, I think it's a cop-out that people will use, even if it's true. It isn't, it isn't blatantly true. It isn't forcefully true. So next time, I mean, you gotta put everything in perspective. I, I get sad. I fucking, I've swing, like... You know, I get happy and sad, just like everyone else. Starting to watch uh, Euphoria. I'm nowhere near that bad. Jesus, and get a hold of yourself, girl. 
but I mean, bro, I fucking almost started tearing up when I when I was playing Monopoly two days ago. Like the littlest things can hit you sometimes. So just go easy on yourself. You one maybe you could say, oh well, I have the capacity to to be brutal. Well, look at me. I wasn't brutal today. Maybe that's something. It's like you have this world of infinite, infinite complexity, infinite possibilities. It's too much for you to handle. I think that's that's how the feeling of awe, the feeling of awe is created. The acknowledgement of almost the forcing of the totality of everything on you. When something so big or so smart or just something is just too much for you to handle outside of your processing powers and you're just like, damn, that is, I'm speechless. Right now I'm on a cliff overlooking the ocean. I'm speechless. And yet I'm still speaking. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Jesus, it's fucking beautiful. And you gotta, gotta be here in the moment. The clouds are rolling over. It is fucking Gorgeous. Really, like, it is perfect. I'm going to take a little pic. Should I do hit them with a panna? Yeah, they love the panna. Yeah. Damn, it's only been 10 minutes. But a great time talking. You guys. Okay, so, going off my last point. If there is too much information for us to be able to handle, proven, I mean, by the feeling of awe, in my opinion, but proven for a whole other, many different reasons, too. If that's a truth, that there's too much information to handle, then what, then what do you do about it? Well, you choose a subset of that information in which to focus and direct your attention on. Okay. What subgroup do you focus and, and uh, address your attention to, towards? Okay. That's, a, that's an important question. That's a really, really, really important question. This is when you start talking about, if you listen to a show called Philosophize, this the creation of meaning. You need to create a, a value hierarchy for yourself. What do you care about? Like, I mean, I could get into responsibility soon. Yeah, let's get into that soon. You create a hierarchy of values for yourself. You put your family, and maybe if, and maybe if you're trying to practice spiritual, uh, if you're not even spiritual, the word spirituality it's such a, it has such a bad bad taste. Such an, like, I don't even know what the word is. Just a bad taste in my mouth when I say spirituality. Which is a shame, because really it's, it shouldn't leave a bad taste in your mouth. It should leave no taste. Um, but what I'm saying is you got to choose things to focus on. And are you okay? Well, I could give you a, it could be like a, a meal combo. And I could give you a I could sell you pre-made meal combos of different value structures. 
Are you going to do that? Well, maybe. You know what? When, you're not, when you don't know and you're trying to operate somewhat coherently in this world, maybe you do just want to copy and paste someone successful or someone that you admire, their value hierarchy onto yours. Maybe that's not such a bad idea. Okay? Reasonable point. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, you don't want to share. Maybe you just don't want to bl uh, blindly copy and paste. Maybe you want to really be thoughtful about it. And... Okay, guys, the thing why this is so important, why the creation of value, are, the, the, your values are so important, is because it, it completely determines how you see the world. Your values manifest themselves in front of you. It's like you, you have to look at something or like think to look at something often in a more metaphorical sense. I guess you can kind of accidentally turn to things. But a lot of the way, things, if you're like, if you're going, looking for the remote, I don't know if, this, if I can use this example, but if you're like looking for the remote, like you're navigating, the remote's the thing, your value, and the way you operate in the world is moving towards that remote, whether that you're really just looking for it. So if you really want the things that you say you want, or if you have things that you say you want, which is a whole other thing, because it's difficult to admit it's difficult to admit the things you want truly to truly do that because then you can kind of self-assess say i say my podcast is something that i really value and uh the doing of it i know would make me more happy then what happens when i don't don't actively work towards it no positive emotion So it's scary to define what you actually want, because if you don't define it, define it, then you can never fail. God, the fucking quotes on failure go out the window. They flood the house. There's so many of them, guys. I still fear failure. I still fear failure. And yet, I know it is the only way. How do you make sense of that? How do you know? It's like the, it's like your value thing. This, the thing is really like, how do you? How do you have something you know is right, and still do the wrong thing? But when that thing is selfishly right, when that thing is, is objectively better for you. Maybe not. Maybe you, the free will example is different because, like, if you're choosing between picking up the wallet, okay, yeah, I guess maybe you can use that example. Say you're either gonna pick up a wallet and keep it, or pick up a wallet and give it back to the guy. That's an instance where you show you hypothetically, according to some philosopher, would show your moral, show your free will in that instant. You had the opportunity to at least. Um, versus like something like. A podcast or creating a great product, which is like objectively good for yourself, uh, and it doesn't hurt the people around them or, or around you. It's only, it's only good. You know, it's only good, and yet you still don't do it for whatever reason. Are you like, what is the, what is causing you not to do the things you know in which you should be doing? I don't know. I am guilty of it myself. And if someone has an answer, please. Please. All right. Think about this. 
you know the the feeling of being chaotic in your head and then taking a minute coming back to the present moment or maybe when you're like really stressed out or worried or depressed you return to gratitude you think about what you're grateful for well maybe maybe there's a mechanism like a pathway that we could track that goes from a chaotic mind the chaotic mind to the quiet mind mapping the neural pathway from the chaotic to the quiet mind and then if we do that maybe we can somehow assist assist that that's firing maybe you could say okay well we would like that to be become easier maybe we could maybe there's some trees in the way i'm using this as a metaphor and i don't know if it applies at all i'm just saying maybe if there is if that's a path a specific pathway we can put borders around it reinforce it a little bit clear the road facilitate it i don't know if you can do this now i'm just saying i mean maybe pin this and look back on it in a hundred years who knows maybe not though honestly that's the other thing like this is failure it's so fucking annoying that i really just like can't get into my head that either either none of this matters in a me in a way that could be useful to me like okay none of this matters that means none of these people's opinions matter that means that i can that i should really go hard and and disregard what everyone else says and i'd be scared like i'm scared sometimes i'm scared and embarrassed of what pe- other people will think that's that's the biggest one that's what stops everyone so are you just going to be another person that lets what other people's opinions of your thing scare you even though you fucking idiot everyone's opinions of your thing is great everyone that ever watches or participates says that you're great at it and that you that the conversation is great even willa who hated or refused to come on for so long i finally like got her to what did she say at the end you stubborn ass she said it was great i had a great time you're great at it stop being so sensitive and so willing to change you got to be if you if you're ever going to achieve anything bro you got to be steadfast with your beliefs you got to have discipline to stay the course even when it would be a whole lot easier to to navigate off this isn't some bullshit motivation for you guys this is for myself so don't call me a motivational speaker cuz that's not what this is this is me trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me and why i'm not doing the right thing all the time and if you're not and if you're not here for that then get off literally i always i'm always confused by people in the com like i don't really look at too many comments really i just try to watch the people that i like their stuff straight up i mean sometimes the comments are great but i like i don't ever would never look at the comments on tiktok even though i really don't use tiktok at all so one picture i look at on my for you page the video um i mean i just know that the comments are always like have some fucking bitch in them no disrespect to women it's probably a guy's a ton too they're just like complaining or hating i'm like i can't understand haters cuz it's like unless the person's doing something really really wrong how dare you like what how dare you just don't put don't put them in your value structure by by engaging them by okay this is a point 
by engaging with them, you show that you tell them that they are within your value hierarchy. And the more you engage with them, the higher up, higher up they know that you place them in your values. Like, it's a fucking a weak look. It's like the guy. I don't know where I heard this. It's like the guy in the bar who's complaining about his wife, saying all this shit about her, making her paying a picture of her or ex or whatever. And it's like that guy might as well be hang, have a hang, a sign hanging around his neck that says, "I am an idiot." Because I chose that woman that I'm talking talking such rubbish about. God, get a grip on yourself. <sighs> I liked Willow's point yesterday. I didn't know how, even after three years, it was, it's, I mean, three years and like three months. Um, no, I mean, not anymore. But, I mean, we're still, still homies. Um... Even after all that time, I still didn't know how seriously she took. I mean, I guess it, in her words, she shows that she takes the idea seriously, but doesn't let the idea affect her life, which I honestly, I learned that from her. Whoa, white-tailed deer. I just saw three white-tailed, I saw two for sure. There's deers with big, bushy white tails. Very cool. And I can see them running through the woods still. Oh my god, how awesome. Like, this is why... Like, what? You have to put yourself in the, in the situation to have the right things occur. If you're not in the room, you're not, you're not making any decisions, you're not participating. That's why you want to be invited back to as many games as possible to participate more. Because life is participatory. If you just absolutely disengage from life, oh, buddy, you are not going to be happy with... You're just not going to be happy. So you got to participate and engage with life. My dad takes that to the absolute uppermost level. He's the most animated freaking person in the world. Oh, what a great day. How amazing is all of this? Easy to, easy to mock her and easy to be annoyed by, but really, he's engaging. He's so much more engaged with the world than everyone else. And maybe it is more like a child, but maybe we, maybe we should all be a little bit more like children. Which is kind of a like, kind of a basic thing to say, honestly. But I don't know. I learn a lot from dad in both copying what he does and adjusting and seeing how he do it. You would do the things he does differently, but he's very, he's very much a self-starter. He's very animated, engaged with the world, loves his family. I mean, he's a great guy, but he's just too much sometimes. I mean, I love him to death. Sometimes it's a little bit just like, dude, chill. But most of the time, it's pretty cool. And so having the balance of mom and dad, where mom is like, Very much like a straight, I mean, not like a straight arrow in like following the rules sense. A little bit. I don't know. She's just uh, not so animated. She's, she's great. She's amazing. Amazing. But she's just less animated and engaged. So I think those are just personality types. I don't know if one's better than the other. It might be a little bit better to be slightly more animated because, I mean, that maybe is like a characteristic of your level of emotional satisfaction from your engagement with the world, which should, I mean, 
which I would think would be something like a positive feedback loop because everything is. If you engage more, then you're getting more positive feedback. But then what happens when you engage with the world and you get hurt? Well, hmm. isn't that a question we've been trying to figure out for a damn long time? There's pretty much no answer to that. I don't think. I think you, I could give an answer, but I think you really got to... That's that's one of the answers that is the silent answer. That's the, the eternal Tao is unspeakable. Like, you just... What do you do in the face of a world that you know can bite you or sink you any step you walk? Well, mm, have fun with that one. And of course, oh, your thought. Be thoughtful. Be really smart about how you act, but mm, it's not enough. You can be really smart and thoughtful and still get bitten. It is, it's almost an inevitability that you, it's a certainty that you will get bitten. It's just a matter of when. Obviously, you want to postpone it. This could lead in a whole new talk about, I mean, just like the importance of maybe not, I mean, of course, accept your death, but maybe just don't be so afraid by it. Like, don't let it affect you. But then it's like, well, how do you know if it's affecting you or not? I feel like I've accepted my death a lot more than most people, and yet still, I still am worried about what other people say, even though I think one a big, maybe an argument is, every fear comes back, stems from the fear of death, and this is a repeated thing I've heard, so I don't know if, it's, if I really believe it so much, I've said it before, that every fear is a fear of death, and it's almost like social embarrassment is more, Maybe instead of it saying it's a, it's like a, it's a type of death, it feels like death a little bit, but it's really, it's not a fear of death. It's not the fear of actually dying. You know, you're not actually going to die, but it's, it's a type of death. Because then once you fail and get bitten, you got to reconsult your value hierarchy, set it up in a better way, which may be a good thing. Then again, what if you have a great value hierarchy and you get bitten and then you go back and change it and then it's worse? These are, I don't know. I don't know how you deal with these this, these types of things. It's a lot. So, I'm approaching home, as K would say. Or as, uh, as Alyosha would say, K is walking up the hill. The trees hang overhead. The cars are parked up front, one black and one white, with a tree behind them. Not behind them, to the side of them, really. There's a branch behind them. I wonder how that would be in the sentence. Okay. Bye. Bye.